You spent some time at Munson Textile. You ever run the pickup? I know how. And you also know it's a one-man operation. This mill depends on that machine. And what's left of Gates Falls depends on this mill. Now, we don't do better than minimum to start. Four weeks before the union comes knocking at your door, you're still interested. Sounds fair to start. All right, then. That's it. Except for the hours. Because of the heat, we only run that sucker through the night. 11 to 7. The graveyard shift. Listening to the Buzz Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 99. Welcome to the Buzz Kill Podcast, where we've outgrown this double digit space, so it's time to move into a bigger space with room for triple. But before we do that, we have one last night shift, and we're all probably going to die. The graveyard shift. <laughs> the graveyard shift. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. And I'm tired. Mike's so tired. You are late. Are you going to be a downer tonight? Kind of. Don't be a downer. Then take the naps. And fight the You got You got one more night of this bullshit, and then one more oh. day of work, and then you get a... Sort of a two and a half day vacation, except for you'll be drinking and walking around the whole time. So be... it's not really a break. So by the time you people, you lovely people, what, what do you mean, mean you people? people? <laughs> <laughs> by the time you people are listening to this, uh, we're going to be in Chicago. Chicago. Chi-town. Actually, when this gets posted, you'll have to post it early because that same night we are going to be seeing the Foo Fighters at Wrigley Field. Yeah, baby. Sunday so we'll, night. So we'll either post, eh, we'll probably just post on Monday when we get back, right? Maybe good, or I can bring my computer with me and we'll see if. So fine, maybe maybe Monday night. Maybe we already did that. It's going to be know. a surprise. You don't know when it's coming. <laughs> Hell, we don't know when it's coming. So She never knows when it's coming. Ooh, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> Close your eyes. <laughs> What's going on, boys? What have you been up to? I know what you've uh, been up to. You've yep. just been working your arse off. I've just been going, and... going like the uh, like a crazy person. Mm. You're like a crazy person. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> Jay's also been going. Yeah. yeah you had a, you're, you're fresh off what? A eight hour? Ten hour day. Ten hour yep. drum session. We had a ten hour drum session today with uh, good old Conway from Ann Arbor, some Midwest pop punk. Midwest pop punk. Did you have the whole band here today though? I did, all two of them. There's only two. Oh, there's only two of them? <laughs> there is, yep. So what do and, they do uh, when they play live? Oh, uh, they use some backing tracks. Oh, right on. And um, and occasionally get the uh, touring musician to come along with them, but they're on the road a lot, and so they come in uh, every couple months or so and knock out you know the day for, of their album and uh, kind get of some a, stuff done. Kind of a royal blood deal. We've been talking about doing that, mm-hmm. the two man band. Except for we'll never do it though. <laughs> no, except for it's it's a it looks a lot cooler when you have a drummer on stage because drummers are cool, and then like another person who's yeah. playing. If we ever did what we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking <laughs> drum tracks. Guitar tracks, <laughs> and then just two schmucks standing at the front of the stage. No, it's gonna be real cool. No, we need we need drums on the stage. Um, yeah, I agree. Having having no drums is is a weird 
Yeah. It's a weird thing to see. I've seen it done. I saw, uh, <clears throat> what the hell did he call himself? One line drawing back in the day. Mm. He opened for Thursday. Okay. And he was lit- it was uh, the dude with his guitar, an acoustic guitar, and then he had a little um, C-3PO that he had pre-recorded his drum beats onto. I mean, that's pretty cool. Though. And then he just, he put the uh, the mic up against the speaker of the C-3PO and that, that kicked out the jams. Oh. <laughs> was, Kick out the jams. It was weird. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of playing music or whatever, I'm playing my first show tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. 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 The, uh, the, <laughs> the, the night event. The, the night, hunt is, <laughs> night hunt is playing their first show tomorrow, which yeah. it's a pretty cool show, though, because you're playing with um, uh, Power Glove. No. Right? No. That's not that show no, tomorrow? No, that's a month. Oh, okay. Who are you playing with tomorrow? <laughs> you, seem, you seem so disinterested now. <laughs> well... Power Glove is pretty sweet. <laughs> we're uh, we're playing uh, with a couple bands from uh, Down River, Michigan. So. Where's this show? It's in Wy- I keep saying Wyandot. It's not Wyand. No, is it Wyandot? Yeah, it's yeah, Wyandot. Wyandot. Okay. I'm not looking at Jay. Where am I playing tomorrow? Um, I'm yeah, actually I'm Down actually, River. I'm actually pretty curious about this show because I've never heard of people playing shows in Wyandot before. So like, well, where the hell do you even it's play? It's a place called the Brass Monkey. It's gonna Brass be Brass Monkey. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's probably going to be just a standard show. I, I'm hoping if there's 40, 50 people there, I'll be happy. Cool. You know, it's our first show, so whatever. Yeah, I'm not worried sure. about it. Yeah, it'd be fun. But uh, yeah. too bad it's the night before we leave for oh for Chicago early in the morning. It. You'll be you'll I, be able to sleep in the car. I though. haven't packed for Chicago yet at all. I still have like loads of laundry to do yeah, and me, packing. Me too, and dude. I'm not gonna be home at all tomorrow to do it. So last minute. So it'll everybody be three in the morning. I'm gonna be up. Doing laundry. Last minute's the best minute. And everyone's got to make sure to see Mike's band tomorrow because after seeing Foo Fighters live, no one wants to see any live music ever again because they're probably awesome. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not coming to your show tomorrow and I probably will never come to your show because I'm going to see Foo Fighters on Sunday. So they'll ruin every other band for me. They didn't ruin last time. Yes, they did. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) I've I've gone to several shows since then and I just, ugh. It's not the Foo Fighters. It's just not the same. Uh, okay, well, speaking of ruining things, why don't we get into some corrections from last week? Did we get some stuff wrong? Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> stupid! You're so stupid! Alrighty, I just got a few things here from last week. Firstly, I'm going to educate you on some food. Oh. Because uh, if, you have a, if you have a knowledge of fine food, a culinary knowledge, then you seem very cultured and uh, you'll impress everyone around you. Like paprika? Like paprika. Do you or, know what paprika is? I do. I actually it's don't. A, what a fish. Oh, the paprika <laughs> fish, of course. Uh, so chevra. So do not <laughs> ruin paprika for me. <laughs> I didn't know what chevra last week was. That was uh, it, the the brewery Vivant beer that we were drinking. Lost mine said pair with chevra and Iberico ham, and I didn't know what either of the either one of those were. were. So chevra is basically just goat cheese. Um, Why can't you just say goat cheese? Say goat cheese. I love goat cheese. Cheese a la goat. Cheese a la goat. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we say it in my house. Uh, and Iberico, I, I think I'm saying that right. Iberico ham is cured ham made from black Iberian pigs, which live primarily in central and southwestern region of the Iberian Peninsula, which includes both Portugal and Spain. Uh, if you're curious about Iberico ham, go look up the Wikipedia <laughs> entry because there's actually it's a actually a pretty lengthy uh, page. It's quite extensive, pretty impressive for a entry about ham. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, probably uh, just describe it by saying it's very porky. Porky. Hmm. Done. This is salty, a bit porky. <laughs> uh, try as I might, I could. I was looking up. You know, we were talking about uh, battle royale. 
Correct. And we were talking about the black screens that they kept cutting to with the white text. Yes. I, I couldn't find an explanation for anything about that. Like, I, I looked at, I, I tried so many different ways to see if I could find what the hell that was, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't find. My best guess is that it's, like, manga-inspired, because I, I think that that whole movie was supposed to be very sort of comic booky inspired you know what I mean? I don't know that I follow the comic booky idea. <sighs> Well, just and this isn't so much of a correction there, as it is another guess. Because there were no, no, not at all. The, yeah, this is just my best estimation. Uh, because a lot of the movie was um, like a lot of the the Japanese cultural injections mm-hmm. were they were very they they were geared more toward a younger crowd, and manga is a huge cultural thing in Japan, so. That's kind of what I got. Like, what kind of things were geared towards a younger crowd, though? Uh, well, I mean, like, I, I mean, like how? Uh, so there was the there was the in, the introduction video to mm-hmm. the to the whole process with that really plucky, like, kind of the the way that the girl was talking on the screen is kind of what like what you would see in a Japanese game show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like see, she was I... dressed like a little like a little soldier but kind of like a girl scout too and she was really that's just kind of I, I, I from everything that I've seen that's just more Japanese culture I think as a whole and, and I'm I probably don't have any room to speak on this because I don't know much about Japanese culture but everything that I've ever seen all the things I've ever heard anybody talk about it's just like a lot of their culture is like that it has, even it comes down to a lot of the the weird um, things that seem weird to us. Yeah, anyway. it's yeah. it's just their culture. Like like that's, the dudes there love very young looking schoolgirl girls. Oh yeah, that's not that doesn't mean it's geared towards kids. That's geared towards well the, male adults. No, I guess like, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said saying? geared like towards children. I just mean you're absolutely right. But how much of like how much of the 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 kind of manga aesthetic seems very prevalent in Japanese culture? Sure, doesn't it? sure. Like the girls where they they'll do their eyes up to make their eyes look gigantic, and they'll dress in like little schoolgirl outfits and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's all just it's all in one big giant yeah. ball of. Like culture. I said, that was just my best guess because I could not find anything that had to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one is courtesy of our buddy Carney. Um, the the weapon that I remembered the girl using in Kill Bill, I thought it was the uh, like the sickle weapon with the chain attached to it, which is called a kusarigama. But he actually sent this to me. Uh, the girl's name is Gogo, and she uses a, a weapon called the meteor hammer, which is an awesome name for a weapon. Uh-huh. Which is a it's it's a real Japanese weapon. Hers is a little modified because a, a normal meteor hammer isn't that big, and it doesn't have the the like the saw blades that come out of it, obviously. Okay. But um, yeah, that's the that's what she was using. Um, just something that I, something interesting that I thought about that it didn't really occur to me, but we were talking about the character in the Belco experiment who, he, he was the, the crazy hippie guy who thought that the water was yeah drugged. I said his name in the, in the show, Sean Gunn. It didn't even occur to me, it's but his brother. yeah, it's James yeah. Gunn's brother. Did you know that? Yes. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> <clears throat> and then last but not least, I had to bring this up because you and I have gone back and forth on this for quite a long time about the pronunciation of the director's name okay and it took me forever to find one single clip of him saying his own name but i found it okay there's a little bit of noise in the background too so i want to hear it want us all to hear it and make our own okay make our own um you know McLean. McLean. Well, 
Did I, you hear McLean? Yes. Yes, I, I did, did too. I did hear McLean. But there's a lot of noise it's, going on in the background, so I could still be wrong. He was on, though, and I'll relook this up, though. He was on the movie crypt, and I'm pretty sure they called him Greg McLean the entire time. So it yeah every yeah, other every other thing that I saw people introducing him said McLean yeah but that's him actually saying his own name and that to me sounded like McLean yeah but that could also just be his uh, Australian accent that's too, absolutely true so so yep that's all I got for corrections yep all right uh, so this week uh, if you didn't get it from the intro we're uh, we're talking about one one final hurrah one last night shift one last night graveyard shift <laughs> the graveyard shift <laughs> <laughs> you do that way better than me um so yeah so uh this is our this is our our our, our last time doing the the night shift it, to, in double digits to, to, spe- <laughs> to specify it's not our last episode we don't no. think anyway no. unless jay puts the kibosh on the whole kibosh! thing <laughs> but uh you, you fired this you is fired. yeah this is our last uh our last hurrah our last shift in the uh, in the in the double digits, mm-hmm. so this week we're talking about graveyard shift, obviously, mm-hmm. and last shift mm-hmm. from twenty. Which what was that? Twenty sixteen. Yes, which was a very pleasant surprise. The movie was awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're we'll really gonna do it more it. a little bit later, but the movie was great. And to go along with that, uh, now when you work and when you work the midnight shift, when you work the graveyard shift, you know, and you're not used to it, or even if you are used to it, when you're done. You feel like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You feel raggedy ass. Raggedy ass. <laughs> I mean, you would know better than any. Actually, both of you would know better than any because you guys have both run yourself That's, ragged this week. So, yep. uh, I, I was trying to find something. Um, so we're drinking Norm's Raggedy Ass IPA from uh, Griffin Claw Brewing in, uh, is it in Berkeley? Is it in Berkeley, Michigan? Uh, uh, I, I believe real. so. I believe it's in Berkeley. Uh, Birmingham, that's the one. Birmingham, the, the, the other B. I was way Birmingham. <laughs> um, anyway, I uh, I was trying to find something more that was like something to do with overnight or like like midnight or graveyard or something, and it seems I just like could that would not be, find anything. It seems yeah. like that would be kind of an easy one to find, but yeah. uh, maybe, but that's okay. Maybe it's also because you're so tired you can't see straight. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so damn um, tired. No, but this works though because, like I said, you do feel especially after fighting giant rat bat monster things, you're going to be pretty raggedy. You know that what I'm is absolutely true. They don't have anything on the, the can for this one. Well, it's the World Beer Cup Gold Award from 2010. Best IPA. It says, they who drink beer will think beer, which is, that's that's very true. Also, uh, that's from Washington Irving. Also, there's a quote from Hunter S. Thompson, good people drink good beer. Mm. Made in the mitt, hashtag Griffin Claw, hashtag GCBC. So our 2010 World Beer Cup Gold Award American IPA recipes brewed and dry hopped with Bravo Citra, Centennial, Cascade, Columbus, and Simcoe hops. Oh, you found a thing. I found a thing, James. <laughs> uh, there's a little thing called reading. Come on. I didn't look at the whole can yet. <laughs> oh, I cut my nails today. I can't get this can open. Yeah. That was a tough one. Okay. A very tight can. Toit. Toit. All right. I uh, I don't I've seen this mm-hmm. for years and I don't know that I've ever mm-hmm. actually. I've had, had it, it on uh, tap. I think yeah. this is the first time that I've ever had it in a can, though. Well, let's give it a try. Here we go. Yes. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Clink. Oh yeah. Yep. That's a good IPA. This um like, this is <clears throat> like I think second behind my two founders IPAs. I like the All Day and the Centennial. All Day is their uh, oh the session is, is Centennial session IPA I, as well. Uh, don't quote me. I think it is. But we'll yeah. find out because next week we're drinking Centennial IPA. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
Yeah, I like this. Um, I'm I'm not. I mean, like, I don't dislike IPAs, but they. I'm I'm not like huge into IPAs either. And this I, this one's really good. I must have like an inner hipster because I love IPAs. They're easily my favorite beers. So, really? Oh yeah. I you do have an I'll inner hipster, don't I'll you? I'll take an IPA out of over most. You have an outer hipster, too. Look at that haircut. <laughs> Man, I, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had an hey, IPA hey. the other day. His lovely fiance painstakingly cut every individual hair on my head. Today. I didn't say it was a bad haircut. I just said you look like a hipster. That's all. I was saying that. <laughs> I, I have to rag on you because I'm jealous because you have a beautiful head of hair and I have uh, minor literally falling out as I speak. But you so. make up you make up for it though on the face. I do have a lot of facial do, fleece you, right you, now. You do. <laughs> what were you saying, Jay? We just oh, interrupted I, you. Uh, I had an IPA the other day. We've had it on the show before. And it's my favorite IP, and I'm like, I forgot about this one. I'm gonna remember it forever. And I can't remember the name of it. I was gonna tell you guys, I was just about to tell you the name. It's not there. Are you looking for it? Yeah, I'll figure it out. Well, All right. right. Well, uh, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. So let's get into the bleed feed. Well, all right. Um, unfortunately, I have to start with a little bit of some bummer news. Uh, yuck. Uh, so rest in peace to John Schnepp. Uh, John Schnepp, if you don't know who he is, um, is the uh, guy who directed most of all of the Metalocalypse episodes. Oh, really? He also directed a uh, documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, uh, which was the documentary about the long rumored little bit of info here and there about the Nicolas Cage starring <laughs> Superman movie which you wanted so um, bad right I after watching this documentary because I have seen it oh you watched it oh yeah I have it actually on my computer here um, I want to see it even more let's pause and watch the documentary and then we'll yeah, come yeah. back yeah. and talk about it <laughs> um, it's fantastic like it's so really? good Nicolas Cage looks badass I don't care what anybody says did he, he have long been, hair yep long so long hair his Superman costume looked more like a bondage costume because <laughs> it was like it was like all like like leather and shiny with like lights underneath it and shit oh it was fucking weird man Tim Burton directed Nicolas Cage starring Kevin Smith penned Superman movie Whoa, that's weird. Just, just, that's, just chew on that a for a little bit. Take in. Now, granted, Kevin Smith was re- was replaced early on, but still, mm. you know, they're going off his original ideas. I didn't know that it was Tim Burton directed yep. either. That's crazy. Yep. It's crazy. They got they got almost close to shooting too. Wow. And uh, and then it just fell apart. I, if you've not if you've never seen it, watch it. It's amazing. But uh, no, John Schnepp though. Uh, most people know him from Metalocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is responsible for the way they look and sound. Uh, well, maybe not sound. That was. Brendan, um, uh, Brendan Small. Yeah, but like the way they looked though, and all that stuff, that was all him. He was the director of the episodes, almost yeah. all of them. And uh, he passed away at the age of fifty-one after complications of a massive stroke. Oh, jeez. So uh, yeah, that, that shocked the, uh, the the that whole world because I mean the guy was young, you know, no one yeah. expects someone that young to go. Yeah. So uh, rest in peace to uh, John Schnepp. Rest in peace. Um, okay, let's get into some Halloween news. Okay. Uh, David Gordon Green. Uh, in 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 the the new Halloween trailer, you will see that there are some shots of Doctor Loomis in a courtroom, but they're drawn, right? So we know that Doctor Loomis is being referenced at least in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Gordon Green has teased though that they have an amazing Donald Pleasance sound alike. Really? That they hired. So it sounds as though we're going to be getting some vocal 
some audio clips. Some audio. I was going to say like voc- vocalier. No, <laughs> vocalier. That, that's not a word. Um, <laughs> there's going to be audio, new audio of the character of Loomis talking uh, of somebody who sounds just, sounds like, just like Donald Pleasance. My right guess on. is that, I guess it's a documentary crew that's making a documentary about Michael Myers. That's what that part in the beginning of the movie oh, was. Oh, really? Yeah. They're, Interesting. It's like, a, it's like a UK-based documentary team that is making a... A documentary about him so that's why they huh. have his mask and i still don't think they'd ever let someone do that in real life but no. my guess is they probably get like audio tapes or oh, something well, you, you mean you mean like going up and showing him the mask yeah right? yeah yeah, they... yeah so my guess if i, if I had to, to 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 guess of what this is going to be mm-hmm. is they get a hold of like audio tapes from like therapy or you know uh mm-hmm. over the something like that that's my that's my guess or like uh deposition during something court during the court oh, yeah, during the yeah, court yeah, yeah that actually that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. too um, so yeah, that's kind of cool though. So Loomis is definitely going to be represented at least. Uh, cool. That's pretty fantastic. Um, uh, not a whole lot of news this week, just so we all know. Um, Chris Hardwick has been in the news lately for mm-hmm. some not so savory things. Yeah. And uh, it looked as of a week ago, it looked as though he was going to be replaced on Talking Dead by a show, another regular. Oh, I, that has I thought done... he had already been canned. No, by, he was like, on suspension. Everybody. He was on okay. suspension pending an investigation. Uh, and la- by last week, it was basically said that uh, another uh, person that had uh, had ties to Talking Dead was going to take over, mm-hmm. at least for the premiere. While they were still looking into it, right? Uh, well, AMC has reinstated Chris Hardwick, and he will be on the premiere of Talking Dead for. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead for uh, this season. They, they, they did their own investigation. They, they got, went through everything that they needed to, and they, they, pretty much came. So it sounds if, like they came to the consensus that he was not in the wrong. So I wonder if any of that stuff will come out. I mean, like, it, I don't know. It, it sounded there was some pretty bad accusations against him, but uh, yeah, it, you know, I remember, when it, I remember. I remember when it first broke. There was a lot of people being just like that. Doesn't like they people that know him were just like. That doesn't even sound like him. Like there's that people were calling crap on it from the get go. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because it's nice to see the studio doing their due diligence. Right. And and having the back of their guy that they believed in. You know, yeah. like if it came out that and, and even still if it came out to be true, yes, they would get rid of him, but they're not going to get rid of him just because someone said something. I hate to say it, but in this day and age, and I'm not this I know this gets, this gets yeah, weird. No, we get it. But I'm not this is not victim blaming or blah, 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 blah. It has right. nothing to do with it. It's just that we live in a culture right now where it kind of seems like if you're a celebrity, you are a target for anything and everything. Look at James Gunn. Right. I got pissed off about that because James Gunn, um, everyone's going to have an opinion on, on their side of the fence on this. Mm-hmm. James Gunn said some really despicable things, like just really gross, despicable, unprofessional things yeah. back when he, 10 years ago. Back but when you, he but was you need, writing for trauma. But still, you need right? to look at this from a bigger picture. Yeah, what he said was terrible. I, I don't, I'm not giving him a pass on that. Mm-hmm. But he worked for Troma, a company that literally makes their their existence on the most crass, on PC humor. And this is the movie, this is the company where their most popular movie ever, The Toxic Avenger, there's a part where a group of teenagers kill a a small child take polaroid pictures of the of its dead body and then masturbate to it later in the movie <laughs> yeah. like this is the kind of movie that these that, that this is the world that he was in like right. he thought he was pushing buttons by 
having that 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 kind of humor. It was it was that, it was sh- like shock jock humor. Like they, exactly it, what it and was. Like you said, it's it's pretty despicable stuff. It's it gross. Is. I'm not giving him, I'm not giving a pass, but he's very obviously not that person. But and and then you, the guy that fucking called him out for is a pro pedophilia fucking jack off. Right. Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. I was so I was like so pissed about this. Like yeah. James Gunn has said in interviews long before this that, that he acknowledges that those were there and he apologized. Like, like, he's not that guy, and 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 fuck Disney for not having the guys back. Like he's done so much good for them. I mean, if like, if, I don't know. if if anybody if anybody would uh, like have to bend to the will of of of, of people. Uh, crying out about this, it would have to be Disney because Disney obviously say, though, they're they're supposed to be this wholesome Disney, family family oriented company. But Disney but, could say, but Disney could basically put him on 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 hold or whatever it is they're doing or whatever, and get to the bottom of it. And they could they could come out and say that uh, where where James Gunn's behavior in the past is unacceptable and un, and unbecoming of Disney standards. Yada yada yada. Um, the person that we have known since he, that's, uh, you know, in his whole entire career, is not that person. Right. And we, we, we here at Disney believe that people can change and this and that. Well, I mean, look at and look at Walt Disney himself. He was a he was a notorious anti semite. Sure. You know. Sure. So and and it's not like they pulled all the all the the old Disney movies from the vault and threw them out, threw them in the fire. You know. Sure. I, I mean, it's, come on. There was a there was a big old cock on the cover of uh, the Little Mermaid. That's exactly right. Not penis. Not, not that he put it there. But. <laughs> I don't know. I just. I no, just. I, don't... I get what you're saying. Like you yeah. and you even said to a friend of ours, like we make crass jokes all oh, the time. Sure. Never about raping children no, and stuff. The no. kind of stuff that James Gunn said, which is terrible. Air. Not on air. Yeah, definitely not on air. <laughs> but like, like if somebody were, if there were, if somebody were a fly on the wall for one of our, oh my god, like off the cuff conversations when we're just hanging out by ourselves. Somebody would say you guys are just the oh, worst they think people we're alive. Monsters. Yeah, but like, we're not. No, we're, it's just toilet humor. People, lo- it, it's, it's we have competitions to see who can be more offensive to each other because because, because it makes it's us fun. Laugh. Yeah, like, it, it's like just, there's not a there's, I don't know. I, it's just the way people are sometimes. And, and if you and if you don't and if you don't believe me, watch the movie The Aristocrats because that movie oh, is a, is about yeah. the worst joke in the face of the earth and that crass un-PC humor is like one of the oldest backbones of comedy it's mm-hmm. it's offensive humor it's it's right. it's funny because it's so offensive and ridiculous like there there is a weird place for that this it's it's kind you of know? different from what James Gunn was doing but but humor uh, that kind of humor in in and of itself has a place because you're a, a lot of times comics Really, people who seem to think that comic seem to think uh, like a certain comic is very offensive. Comedy is a is a good way to approach really uncomfortable sure. topics. Sure. And being able to laugh at it, and yeah, you you can get a little bit of offend, uh, offended, but like you gotta you gotta be able to separate. I mean, look at like like if a guy if a guy makes about a, a joke about somebody dying in a car crash. It's not because he encourages car crashes and he supports people dying in car crashes. Yeah. It's a fucking it's a joke. It's a it's yeah, and it's just look at George Carlin. George Carlin made a career off of that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh Bob Saget, oh my god, like I said, speaking of that aristocrat listen to to his version of the aristocrats and then watch a Serbian film. Okay, I guarantee you the joke about the aristocrats is way worse than anything <laughs> you're gonna see in a Serbian film. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you either. No. Like so I don't know. I just I I just wish that these companies would stop being 
so such big pussies when it when it comes to this. Like stand up for for your people. Like yeah. if you truly believe that they are that they are a bad person because of what they said, then fire them. That's fine. Sure. But I but don't know. It's clear. Sorry, like, rant over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that took a weird <laughs> moving term. on. Moving um, on. So anyway, Chris Hardwick will be back though. They've uh, AMC stood behind their oh, guy. Oh yeah, we were and, talking about Chris Hardwick. Yes, <laughs> they stood behind their guy though, and they decided that um, that it was un- unsubstantiated or or whatever. Good. Um, anyway, uh, so we talked about the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Yeah. That is now official. They are going ahead with it. It's official. All hmm. done. Uh, guess who's joining the cast? Robert De Niro. Really? Yeah. So they're really taking this movie sort of seriously yeah which is crazy i'm yeah. kind of excited for it um especially considering <laughs> there's also going to be that shitty jared leto uh, <laughs> uh joker movie hopefully they'll just stop making that one because this one's gonna be so good it's funny to me like after seeing them live a few uh, seeing 30 seconds to mars live a few weeks ago and aaron will watch uh their like their live instagram feed and stuff like mm-hmm. that and seeing how seriously he takes himself it's it, after the response to uh, Suicide Squad, it's kind of surprising to me that Jared Leto is signing on for that. I mean, I guess. But maybe I he's just having fun. I yeah. don't know. I, I, it's not, it's, it's not, money. It's yeah. money. Oh, yeah, he's going to make it's a all of money. money. <laughs> That's the only reason he's doing it, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It was probably fun to play the Joker. It's an iconic role, but like, not when you're playing the... Yeah, but you played the worst version of him. Yeah, you're... you're. I was, I was about to say that he's playing like the Funko Pop version of him, but even <laughs> but even that's probably cooler than the, the Jared Leto Joker. Um, yeah, I guess I got nothing. Um, okay, so Stephen King. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about Stephen King tonight. Uh, however, another Stephen King novel is now being put to... Uh, Put the film, mm-hmm. and that is a book called "It Came from a Buick Eight or From a Buick Eight, mm-hmm. which uh, I remember it came out when I was a kid, and I always wanted to read it because I thought it was a sequel to Christine, even yeah. though it had nothing to do with it. Just King likes cars, apparently. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is being, um, you know, this is being uh, uh, put to film by uh, the guy that did William Brent Bell, who did The Boy and the Devil Inside. He is uh, directing it. Didn't we just talk about him last week? Talked about the boy, I thought. Yeah. Why did we talk about that? Uh, it was for something. I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't but, matter. But uh, William Brad Bell will be helming it. Uh, in it, uh, when a town is plagued by strange and f- supernatural events, it turns out the Buick isn't exactly a car. It's a door to another dimension. Oh, my. Yeah, right? Sounds pretty cool. Apparently, this is um this is a movie that at uh, several points in its lifespan has been connected to George Romero and Toby Hooper. To really? direct it, yeah, hmm. which would have been super cool for either one of them to do it. Uh, unfortunately, we never got it, but we are getting it now, so uh, that'll be pretty cool to look forward to. And um, yeah, James, that's me. You know what time it is? Yeah, it's times four. Times four. Times four. It's blues times four. <laughs> that's a good title. I that's like that. One. <laughs> All right, it's blues times four. <laughs> First up. Uh, <clears throat> Warner Archives surprised fans a couple days ago with the announcement of a brand new HD Blu-ray release of the 1960 horror sci-fi masterpiece Village of the Damned. (laughs) Come on, come on! Which will include commentary by Chronicles of Terror Silent Screams author Steve Haberman. In the film, which is based off of the 1957 novel The Midwich Cuckoos, and which was also remade in 1995 by John Carpenter, Infidelity, premarital sex, rape, patricide, possession, child murder, and more all come bubbling up 
in the film's heady broth of British competence and discretion in the face of horror and despair. George Sanders stars as a sage citizen of the middles of Midlands English village that suffers a mysterious, all-encompassing blackout. Upon awakening, it is soon discovered that Midwich's entire population of fertile females are now all pregnant. And it, Mike must have paid him a quick visit. <laughs> uh, initial fears of outrage and betrayal are soon supplanted as it is realized that a clutch of cuckoos, hyper-intelligent, telepathic, and otherworldly children have been placed in their midst. This tout, uh, this taut <laughs> economical science fiction, <laughs> this, tout. this tout, this taut economical science fiction thriller is more hypnotic than ever, thanks to the glorious black and white high definition edition on Blu-ray. So this is the original. This is the one from 1960. 1960. Yes. Okay. If um, I've not seen that one, but you can also get the uh, John Carpenter version through Screen Factory, which is probably yeah. the better version to get you think so just saying i a lot of people really love this original one i'm not sure i've ever seen it actually i don't think that i have either to be honest with you um that hit shelves next tuesday the oh, 31st wow. so they announced it two days ago and it's going to be on the shelf next tuesday well um so yeah, see you next I was, tuesday i was giving fart noises with my mouth to the warner archive because they typically don't do anything for theirs like they might give oh. it a new transfer but that's it yeah well, uh what did i say this there's is a commentary there's that's a commentary it. and a, and it's a an hd transfer that's it. So yeah, they that's about it. they don't do anything with their movies, and unfortunately, Warner never options their movies out to companies like Scream and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. and I've heard them talk about it before, and they get pissed because Warner <clears> just <throat> won't give the rights up, right? And they just hold on to these these gems that people want more from. Mm -hmm. So, um, next up, uh, we've already talked a few times about the Phantasm Complete Collection, which was released on Blu-ray last year mm -hmm. uh, via Wellgo USA. Uh, it had a very limited release, and if you're looking to score one nowadays, it'll cost you hundreds on the resale market. Uh, more recently, a much more affordable version of the collection was released on DVD, and as we discussed a couple weeks ago, standalone versions of the third and fourth installments, Phantom 3, Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead, and Phantasm 4, Oblivion, will be hitting the shelves on September 18th. New cover art and details for those two films have been released via Phantasm Archives. Uh, Phantasm 3 bonus features will include behind the scenes, deleted scenes, audio commentary with stars A. Michael Baldwin and Angus Scrim, uh, from the grave, obviously. And for <laughs> Phantasm 4, behind the scenes, audio commentary with director Don Coscarelli, actors Reggie Bannister and Angus Scrim, and uh, trailer. Which is it's kind of disappointing, uh, because the complete collection had tons and tons yep. of bonus, uh, bonus material, so... Uh, the, the, the covers are pretty cool, though. Have you seen these yet? Oh, those are very cool. Yeah. Oh, I like Kind of like a, they sort of look like a, they've got kind of a hand-painted mm -hmm. oil painting kind of look. Yeah, I like them. I like them. Uh, next up, and I, I'm very excited about this one. Um, the Dan Curtis-directed made-for-TV horror anthology, Trilogy of Terror. Oh. Which premiered on ABC in March of 1975, will be headed home on Blu-ray October 16th, courtesy of Kino Lorber. Uh, terror, uh, Trilogy of Terror, written by Richard Matheson and William F. Nolan, presents three tales of horrific suspense that showcase the tremendous acting talent of Karen Black, who plays four distinct roles. In Julie, an aggressive college student seduces and ultimately blackmails his seemingly shy English teacher uh, professor. In Millicent and Therese, two polar opposite sisters become increasingly hell-bent on the undoing of one another. And in Amelia, which is probably the most... Uh, recognizable to most horror fans a woman falls prey to a murderous zuni fetish doll mm. which uh that this is one of my personal favorite horror anthologies and especially 
the last one, one yep. Amelia. I know that uh, Alex from Beyond the Void has talked about that one yep. a ton of times too. That that little Zuni fetish doll was one of the scariest things I've yeah. ever seen in my life That's when I was super younger. Uh, the this is the cover, pretty sweet. That it's, was very cool. This it's a shot of uh, Amelia Karen Black after like at the very end of the. Uh, the Amelia segment where she's been kind of possessed by mm -hmm. the spirit that's in the Zuni fetish doll. And uh, that's uh, that's about it that's for it. blues. Yep. All right. Uh, so I was very happy last week uh, when I was talking about the Joe Bob. Um, Joe Bob Briggs. The Joe Bob Briggs last drive-in on mm -hmm. Shutter, And now servers crashed and blah, blah, blah. Well, it was such a big hit. They're bringing it back. Oh, yeah. They're like just. They're gonna do another one oh, later really? on this year. Yep. Cool. So and very, he's, he's already signed on. Did they offer him another two hundred dollars? Another, another two uh, two hundred and fifty. Oh, they they <laughs> they, up they, upped his, uh, they upped his paycheck this time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, very excited about that. So if you're a jo big Joe Bob Briggs fan, um, you can see more of him on Shutter this year. Hopefully, this. I'm almost hoping that instead of a big marathon, they do like monthly movies. You know what I'm saying? Like just do like one a month or whatever to any movies on the Shutter service. Right. And he can do it that way and just keep them going. Because it's know? hard to tune in for 24 hours. I mean, well, they put them up online. Yeah, right if they play it back, but... you can you can go back and watch it. But that's got to be harder for him too. Well, actually, I imagine they probably film it in segments, right? And then just run it for 24 hours. I don't know hours. because they had mail like email they were answering on like on the spot on the spot huh. that you could send an email to so i mean who knows i they might have actually done a marathon i don't know though yeah i wonder if they'll modify it in some way then or maybe I'm sure he's not gonna want to sign on for these like marathon know. sessions you know it's getting, I, it's getting old yeah joe bob <laughs> um okay so uh, here's here's some crazy news uh we talked last week about how joss whedon uh was starting a new tv series over on uh was it HBO? I think it was. Uh, yeah, I can't I think remember. It was, I think it was H HBO. But um, oh, the Buff Nevers is that yeah, the, the Nevers? Yeah. Uh, so Buffy the Vampire Slayer is getting rebooted for the small screen with Joss Whedon and all of the other original producers back to produce. Really? Yeah. Now it's not picking up twenty years later from the original show. This is a a reboot. So with new actors and it's everything. It's going to be very contemporary. New actors, new story, the whole deal. Um, it sounds from the sounds of it though, uh, our Slayer this time around is going to be a African American mm -hmm. actress, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, there was um, there was what was cool about the, the Slayer mythology, if you follow Buffy, is that there was tons of them. You know, from every walk of life, every ethnicity, every race, every everything. So it's very cool. They're just not, you know, sticking to apple pie, sticking to convention. White as rice, yeah. Slayer again. Yeah. I thought I didn't like looking at Sarah Michelle Gellar every week, but she was nice. Yep. Like so there, that, it, uh, there's no Charisma Carpenter, Charisma Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and David Boreanaz's mm. gigantic forehead. Oh, I thought you were talking about something else. Um, oh yeah, that no. forehead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that is that is going on. The um, no talk about who the actress is going to be yet, though. Uh, yeah, actually, <clears throat> I think that they actually this was new news before I started here. Uh, uh, Oswu Breen. Or a woos I'm butchering how do you, her how name. do you spell it? O W U S U. A Wusu Breen. A Wusu? A Wusu Breen. Uh has uh wait. wait oh it's Mon that? Monica Awusu Breen. Is that uh, the Oh she's the creator, tapped as writer, executive producer, and showrunner. So she is not the actress. Oh, she is okay. the showrunner. Alright. Uh, I don't think they said anything about the actress. The actual then. actress, yeah. Yeah, okay. probably not. 
Uh, it's pretty early anyway, so that wouldn't make sense for them to, to do that. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that is uh, that is coming, and um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's odd to me, though, that amidst all this backlash against Joss Whedon, now he's going back to the girl power everything. Yeah, we kind of touched, like touched on that a little bit last week. It's almost week. like he's it's... trying to save his face a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jossie. Um, uh. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got for uh, this week. Boom! That was the news. Hey, Jay. Hey, I didn't see you there. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's that. So uh, we're going to take a little break. Uh, go grab a hot, fresh cup of coffee mm. and uh, come start the night shift. Come back for the graveyard shift. Throughout this, you'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. James forgot to talk about something in the uh, news section. Hot, hot <laughs> off the presses, indeed, uh, because we just remembered it. Because <laughs> it's not actually hot off the presses at all. No, but it's just disgusting enough for us to still want to talk about it. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about this. I'm pretty sure, actually, I'm not pretty sure. I'm, I'm entirely sure that this started as a joke. But uh, <laughs> there is... There is currently, we, we talked about the black sarcophagus that was found mm. uh, last week in exa- Alexandria. That's actually the name of my new metal band. Black Sarcophagus. Black Sarcophagus. That's a badass metal name. Uh, so this Black, black Cophagus. <laughs> That's it. So this 30-ton <laughs> coffin, which is the uh, largest yet found in Alexandria, uh, there's a there's a petition going on which started on Twitter which is, that's how you know that it's very serious business. <laughs> there's a there's a petition going on that says uh, we need to so you know how they found the the, the red sewage water yeah, laying yeah. in the bottom of the sarcophagus. Basically, the the petition that's now gone viral says we need to drink the red liquid from the cursed dark sarcophagus in the form of some sort of carbonated energy drink so we can assume its powers and finally die <laughs> the goal uh, its goal of 25,000 signatures has successfully reached uh, 17,597 in just three days from the launch oh my God. <laughs> so I'm hoping that whoever started this petition is ready to put their money where their mouth is or put their nasty red liquid where their mouth is Oh, because gross. how would they even get it though? I don't because it's funny. I was thinking about this. Like, I guarantee you, they have all that liquid jarred up somewhere. Actually, I don't think they would just drain that. Actually, all that material that was in there. Actually, once they found out it was sewage water, they they dumped most of it, and they kept a little bit of it just to take samples of, so that they could figure out exactly what it was. Yeah, I guess one sample is not going to be any different than another though. At that point, right? Probably, yeah. Weird. I'll sign the damn petition. I don't care. I'll drink, and the then liquid. I will gladly drink the red liquid, so that yeah. I can, so that I can have the power of three dead people. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power to die. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's it for the breaking um, news. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this week, uh, the two lucky, lucky movies that uh, we got to view. I don't know why the movies are lucky, but they are. <laughs> the movies. Um, the movies are. Lu- they should feel fortunate that we watched them. The movies are so lucky. Um, Last shift from 2014. Uh, direct, this is going to be the first one we're talking about. Last Shift and uh, Grade Yard. 
Graveyard. Grade mm-hmm. graveyard shift. The graveyard shift. <laughs> also uh, I, classic I remember Stephen King story. The uh the the, 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 the director that we talked about earlier. Yep. Now I can't remember William Brent something. Yeah. He we talked about him not too long ago because he directed Stay Alive. When we did our video game episode, oh, our E3 William, episode. William Brent Bell, was that his name? Yeah. Really? He directed Stay Alive. Ah, uh, you're right. Yes, sir. And we liked that. Just to avoid a correction. Ish. Yep. Um, yeah, Any, okay. Anyway, last shift from 2014 is about a rookie cop's first shift alone in the last night of a closing police station, which turns into a living nightmare. Uh, directed by Anthony de Blasi, who has not really done much else. Uh, I think he uh, worked as a production designer or something like that in a bunch of other movies. Um, not not much more, though, in the, in the realm of directing. Yeah, he was a producer on Midnight Meat Train. Uh, yeah. He he directed uh, a Beneficiary, probably nothing that we've ever... Mm-hmm. Oh, he directed uh, a movie called Dread. Have you ever seen it? Mm-hmm. It's It's actually pretty pretty damn good movie especially for his first outing uh it's it, it's about this group of college students who decide to do an experiment on like the human condition when faced with fear okay and this kid ends up taking it way too seriously and uh puts all of his all the the other all of his peers into these situations where uh they're basically facing their worst fears but he's kind of off the reservation at that point, so he's hmm. like p- basically pushing them to the point of death. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. Then. It's uh, I caught it on I, I caught it on TV, so I'm not sure that I actually saw the you know unedited version of it, but uh, it's pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um. So starring the absolutely beautiful Juliana Harkavy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now you you know her from uh... she was she's an Arrow. Okay. Uh, which is a CW show about the Green Arrow that oh, I love because I'm a loser. Just, and, uh, just a big dork. <laughs> I love those CW <laughs> superhero shows, Flash, Arrow, not Legends of Tomorrow. That show sucks. But um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> she she plays uh, uh, Dinah, uh, Dinah Lance in uh, in Arrow. And uh, yeah, she and is. And in this movie, she plays Officer Jessica Lauren. Mm-hmm. Reporting. Both, both characters, 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 characters <laughs> oddly enough. Both are uh, pretty good looking. Oh, that's weird. How like they totally ch- they weird. chose to make her good looking in both programs. I know it must Strange. it must be like special effects makeup or something. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, starring her, um, Jayla Rose. I didn't even recognize him until I looked at the cast list. Because it, so he played Patrick Black, who I'm assuming was the yes. guy with the long beard, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. So Jay LaRose was in, uh, he's in Darren Lynn Bowsman, basically any Darren Lynn Bowsman yeah, or James of... Wan movie that you've ever seen. We Jay just LaRose talked about the Barons. The he Barons. was the uh, Park Ranger. Yeah, he in, was in uh, Insidious. Uh, yeah. He he was in Saw 3, a um, bunch of other stuff. And yeah, he was kind of unrecognizable in this movie. And also, I didn't fully get the point of his character. Okay, we'll, well, we'll talk about We'll it. get into that. We'll get so. there. All right, so uh, last shift. Um, so uh, Officer Lauren shows up at uh, basically this police station that is, it's the very last night the station's going to be open. Mm-hmm. They, they built a new police station. They transferred everything over. This is just like the last functional night of the station before it's closed for good. Yeah. And so she's there by herself. Basically, uh, she's just tasked to watch over the place for the night, and then after that, she'll be reassigned to the She's basically new place. a security guard. Essentially, Just to yeah. keep an eye on the place, and if there's any walk-ups, to basically tell them to go down the street to the new 
the, to the new place. Right. There's not supposed to be any calls <clears throat> coming in. All the phones are rerouted. Like, it's a pretty quiet night. Mm-hmm. So she's there by herself. And almost immediately, she starts to get the impression that something isn't right. Yeah. Something's wrong. Something's weird, at least. And she doesn't know what it is. And it's very classic ghost at first, mm-hmm. you know, very very classic haunting kind of things like well, her, the shelves behind her move. They have those awesome uh, rotating shelves. Oh, with I the love, handle that spin. Yeah, I those are those cool. Things. They spin on the track. Yep. Uh, the her first experience in the building though is kind of strange because she she walks in and she just sees a figure at the end of the hallway kind of come out and start pounding on the wall and he's just mm-hmm. saying motherfucker like son of a bitch and she's like uh, hello and and can't really figure out what's going on and then it turns out to be um her uh sergeant right yeah sergeant cohen and he uh, he tells her to turn around like he's face kinda, away he, from he's kind of a dick bag yeah well it's, <laughs> it's kind of well first of all like if it, she, she at that point couldn't really tell that she, it was another officer why yeah. would she ever turn her back no, no, I think she realized think that it she... was a sergeant at that point. Okay. Like she realized that that was another cop. Yeah. But she didn't turn her back though to follow his order. She turned around to leave. And then he tells her to stop. Yeah. Well, no, he says turn around. So she turns around and starts to walk away. And then he goes, "Did I say fucking leave? I said turn around." And then she stops. But it's like, probably that's a red flag to me. Well, yeah. But it was it it was it was as, a strange. As he walks up on her, he's very obviously looking at her ass. Oh, I didn't notice. That. Oh, you notice that? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. He gives he he looks her over. You can tell like he was like he's a creep. The guy was the guy was a creep. Or whatever. Didn't it didn't seem like he was the kind of guy that a probably respected female officers and especially didn't like younger officers. Like he's right. very he was like that shitbag old school cop that yeah. will beat you with a baton because you breathe look the wrong at him way. wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like he he struck me as that kind of character uh-huh. um so i don't think that he respected her at first um he obviously knew what was in store there though my guess is that's why he didn't want to stick around that's why they got someone else to do the shift yeah um and the way that he was acting punching the wall and being all pissed off you still don't know why he was doing that yeah and i think it was because he was going insane you think so that's what i think it was hmm I think the place was starting to get to him, which we'll cover more yeah, in a bit here. Absolutely. Um that's that's just my my personal feeling on it. Yeah, that's that's probably that's a that's a good thought. Um so yeah, so he he ends up leaving and she just <clears throat> starts taking over and one of the first things that she notices, and I didn't I didn't get this at first because apparently my brain's a little slow. She looks up at the ceiling and she sees uh scratched into the ceiling tile uh S O W. Well she sees M O S at first. Well, M O S, yeah. And then she spins in her chair and it, and says, it says sow. And I didn't realize sow, female pig, pig, cop. Oh, right. there it is. Didn't realize that until afterwards. <laughs> That's the the first. So she 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 starts to get um, she starts to get weird phone calls. Mm-hmm. And at this point, all of the nine one one calls are or all the cal- calls to the to the station are supposed to be rerouted to the new station. So she can't figure out why she's getting these phone calls. But it's a a young girl on the other line telling her that she's in danger. She's running from somebody who is trying to kill her. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing that struck me is she says, I don't know where I am. I hear pigs. And I was like, uh, it's, it, like as soon as you see the word sow on the top, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she's in the building because yeah. I, I hear pigs. Like, yep. I hear the cops around me, Yep, which is uh, was pretty creepy. I actually um, didn't put that together until oh, just didn't? now. Really? Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really creepy creepy movie yeah, like it, it kind of wears on you it, it reminded me of a few different movies but uh 
not that they were copying off of anybody, but it. Um, and now I'm drawing a blank on what movies it reminded me of. I I think that I think it reminded me of um, fuck uh, uh, the void. Reminded me of oh, the void. Oh yeah, a the bit. void was yep. one of them for sure. Yeah, like just alone, alone in the hospital when this is a cops cop shop and you know right. whatever. I think I. What kills me is that when the girl called in. She like doesn't know what to do at first, so she calls the new station, uh-huh. and she's calling over there saying, "I have a girl saying that she is kidnapped. Mm-hmm. She's being held hostage, but she escaped." And the guy in the line couldn't give a shit, like did nothing to try to help. Well, I kind of wondered the whole time if any of those calls were actually real. Oh God, was the guy she was talking to on the phone the same cop that came over? Price. Yeah. Was that was it Officer Price that kept picking up the phone? I don't know. Damn. Uh, okay, so if you don't know I, what we're talking, obviously, if you've never seen the movie, you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, eventually, later on in the story, there's another officer that comes supposedly from the new police station to come check on her. There's actually there's actually somebody in the in the cast uh, who's credited for the voice of the dispatch officer. Oh, okay. So there's different voices. So it wasn't okay. Price. Okay. Okay. Um. But but I, it still made me wonder because there's so much like trippy stuff going on that it made me wonder if any of the calls that she was making to that dispatch officer were actually real. Yeah. Because nothing else, seemingly nothing else going on around her was actually real. Well. At least to her. Spoilers. Well, well spoilers, <laughs> obviously. We, we spoil every movie. So um, so one of the, so we, we talked about uh, Jayla Rose at the top of the thing. So mm-hmm. uh, Jayla Rose plays, basically he looks like a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. He's got no shoes on. He's beat crazy long dirty beard long dirty hair pissing on the floor uh yeah yeah she comes in or whatever and he's literally just pissing on the floor so she basically kicks him out which again if a homeless guy who obviously is in bad shape just shows up in a police station and they just kick him out well they're supposed to get him help well they're supposed to call like the cops are supposed to be the ones to get people help when they need it you know her her objective for the night was to just make sure that nobody because officer cohen even tells her like you just watch over the building there's uh like there's an evidence locker people might want to get into there's all we still have all of our files which were supposed to be transferred over but they didn't get transferred over for some reason so you just watch the building for the night Mm -hmm. and she's one lone uh, officer obviously she's been trained in self-defense and stuff like that but when you're when you're one officer and you're Met with a, a Jayla Rose, uh, Patrick Black. He's a pretty big dude. Sure, and but, you don't know why he's there. Like you would probably just want to get him out of the building. But as a cop, though, isn't it her job to help somebody who's clearly in distress? Like she should have called the other police station and said, "Hey, we have a guy here. Uh, I can't do anything with him here, but can come? Can somebody come pick him up? Do whatever you're gonna do." Like I just feel like just to kick somebody that, that who's clearly needs help is out of their mind clearly they're just standing in the middle of the, the cop shop taking a piss on the floor yeah they're not all there mentally that cops should not just kick a mentally ill person back out on the street like yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say though like what true, you would but... do in that situation it'd be a scary situation you know i don't know i just thought that was weird i just thought the way that she handled a lot of these situations was very odd so like i said i didn't really get the point of his character all that much did you really get a sense of what what was really going on with him um, cause at, at one point, so he, he's, he's in the lobby, uh, shows up in the lobby without her even knowing how he got in. And then she kicks him out and then she hears a bunch of rustling around going on in the back of the, the station and she walks in and he's in the, 
basically the file closet, like up on a shelf, mm -hmm. rummaging through he's all the boxes of files. So, so he's looking for something. Yeah. So what did they never really told you, like what he was looking for or why he was there? I I think that he had something to do with the cult. You think so? Yeah. Which again, if yeah, you have spoilers. no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that he had something to do with the cult, and I think that, I mean, it's not, I don't have, like, a, a perfect explanation for him necessarily, mm -hmm. but I think that he was connected to that place. He was connected to that cult somehow, and he was drawn to it for some strange reason, my, is my th guess. My thought was either that he was connected to the cult in some way, or he possibly was an officer who used to work there. Well, they also said, so the, the, the idea behind the cult is that, uh, basically, uh, there was a... Um, there was a, uh, a thing that happened in previous years where there's basically this cult that they had arrested. Kind of a Charlie Charlie Manson sort of situation. Yeah. It was one guy who obviously was very manipulative and had a following, mm -hmm. like a family that stayed with him. And uh, go ahead, sorry. And yeah, so they arrested, I think, the guy and then two of his followers, and they were being held there. Mm -hmm. And they ended up committing suicide by hanging themselves with bed sheets in one of the holding cells. Yeah. And ever since then, uh, ever since then, they the, the place has never been the same. Other right. cops had been reported weird things in the buildings. Basically, the, the place got haunted afterwards with like, this evil spirits from these people. And if you notice, the homeless guy, he did end up hanging himself by a bedsheet in the holding cell. So I, I think I think that he was maybe he... a follower and was trying to like maybe commit suicide to like to get back in and. But he but if you remember, he wanted out of that holding cell really badly because he knew that some weird shit was going on mm -hmm. i don't know if he could actually see what she was seeing but at one point he's banging on the door crying for help asking to get out of the holding cell and then she tells him to back away from the door and when he gets away from the door that's when she sees the three bodies of the people hanging in the holding cell yeah. with them with the the weird shaky heads you know yeah you hated that, didn't I you? I did. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, his it'd be interesting to go online. Usually, we go on like Reddit and stuff like that and see what other people's impressions were because yeah. it can help you get a better make, make you think of things that you've not thought of. Yeah, I didn't do that yet with this movie, but I, I kind of I kind of want to. Um, so they did some really really cool things though. Like the uh, we talked earlier about how there was the cop that came from the other station to come check on her, mm -hmm. and he comes in or whatever, and he's just like, "Hey, how you doing?" Uh, he's kind of hitting on her for a second, mm -hmm. but that was all kind of a ploy to basically be like, I came here actually because I wanted to talk to you because I was, I knew your father. Her father was also a cop who ended up dying in the raid that brought in those three people from right. the cult. So he's telling her the story and because she had never heard it before, it was the true story. And um, he was basically saying, you know, your father died in you know, with honor and this and that, and mm -hmm. he was a good man. And I don't know about you. But the this reveal caught me completely off guard. Me too, man. My jaw literally dropped. Like I did not. I got, I got chills when I, I saw did it. not expect it. My jaw does not drop very often in, yeah. in movies because I can usually see things coming. Didn't see it coming at all. As the cop goes to turn away, he's just saying, "Hey, I got to get back to the station on this and that, and everything's totally fine." Spoilers. Um, he turns around, whole back of his fucking head is just blown out. Yeah. You're just like, the fuck? <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. He's fucking, what? He's, he's, oh my God. And I like the oh way boy, they, he's dead. I like the way they did that too, because, you know, he didn't look like a ghost. He yeah. He looked like a physical human being standing there. And then when he goes to walk away, she sees the back of his head and she's like, 
she's what, what the fuck so she doesn't follow him at first because she's so freaked out and mm-hmm. then he goes to turn they're they're basically standing by the front desk like the the, the front desk of the of the uh, lobby there and she, he goes he turns around the corner and then he should have continued walking out into the lobby and mm-hmm. when he turns the corner they're there's nothing like he, he just disappears and so she goes running around the corner like to find him and he's just gone which was really creepy super creepy yeah every single time something like this happens though whether she hears somebody banging around in in another room or the guy with the blown out head or she gets the call she always somehow manages to just calm herself back down and go back to the front desk and act like nothing's happening. She keeps repeating her, <laughs> uh, like her oath. Her, her yeah. Her, uh, the, the oath she took as a, an officer of the law to kind of like bring herself down. Total rookie move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the 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 first kind of the first kind of weird thing that happened in the movie that also kind of gave me chills because it it was um, it was very effective. She walks into. Uh, I, she's she's already hearing things rustling around and stuff like that, which would have been scary enough for me. Mm-hmm. Old building like that, you hear something rustling around. But she walks back and she walks through the men's bathroom, which is just like covered in shit, and it's like it's yeah, all it's gross, run like, down. If the, if this is a place that just recently shut down, how was it that disgusting? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are those cops doing there? Exactly. And oh, then wait. she, they're pigs. Oh, pigs, those bastards. <laughs> This place is the pigsty. And so <laughs> she walks through that into a locker room mm-hmm. and she goes back and all the lockers are closed, but then she notices one with a key in it. So mm-hmm. she opens that locker and she finds a picture of her dad holding her what as, are the odds? as a child. What are the odds? Well, he did used to work there. She flips it over. It says uh, dad and cuddlebug, blah, blah, blah. He says that's how you know that her nickname is cuddlebug. And then she goes, she just turns to her left to walk, like walk out of that room, and she stops, and the door next to her, the locker door next to her open. is open. And then it just, there's like this music sting. It's not It's not even like a, like a jump sting. It's mm-hmm. just like this deep bass note. And then uh, the camera zooms out really quick, and every single locker in the room is open now. Yeah. They, like, there's, that's the part that I, I would have just yeah I'm out yep there was there was really there was a lot of really cool ideas and really cool imagery in this movie that were super successful mm-hmm. and unfortunately it suffers because it relies on just cliche horror tropes for a lot of other stuff like yeah. the stutter cuts in in the characters yeah and them crawling on the ground with their head just shaking in a blurry mess like yeah it's it's so it's just very cliche horror movie stuff that I can't personally stand. So when I see it, I'm just like, ugh, it's so uninspired and it's yeah. so j- cliche. I'll use the word again because that's exactly what it is. It's like, yeah, ghosts... they didn't need any of that in there. Like any, like those, right. the ghosts or whatever, you literally didn't need to show any of that stuff and that movie would have been just as effective. If, if not, maybe more. Yeah. I mean, you had to get a sense of what you were dealing with a little bit. So like there were a few really quick clips of the, the figures with the bags on their head. Yeah. Which you could have just stopped right there. Yep. And that would have been awesome. But they show them too much, I thought. Right. They end up showing them too much. And then, like you said, there's the, uh, the one victim who keeps like crawling on the ground after her. That's... I, 
like that that stupid bear crawl that ghosts do in movies. Yep. It's it's so tired, you know. In my notes, I literally just say it's just so yawn. <laughs> just so, <laughs> oh, just so yawn. But it is though. Like it's just like it just doesn't need to be there. Right. Like they could have shown there's a part where she gets locked into the holding cell with the crazy guy before he kills this himself. This was one of my favorite parts. And the parts. lights go completely out. It's pitch black. And you get flashes of lights, and you think that he's holding the light, but he ends up just being in the corner. Well, so. let me oh, set, this, let me really set this up a little more because I was I uh, I was watching this movie on my phone in my mm-hmm. car with headphones in. Uh, I was because I was out I was out in Southfield and I oh I, thought, I, I, I thought, needed I needed something to do so I, I was watching wife this movie. No 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 I was out uh, I was out in Southfield so I was uh, watching it on my phone in my car I had my headphones in and the sound design in this movie was actually really good but that part I thought was so awesome because she's in the holding cell with the homeless guy and the lights go out and then all of a sudden you just hear this you hear this sound like uh, like a and you don't know what the hell it is, and, sh- and and then all of a sudden her light flips on, her flashlight, but it's pointed at her. And she thinks that it's the homeless guy. And she goes, sir, please give me my light back. And then all of a sudden the, the flashlight points down at the floor and then moves slowly over to the corner of the mm-hmm. room, and it points at the homeless guy. Mm-hmm. So now you know that somebody else is in He's the... holding it, yeah. And then the light goes back out, and then you hear that... And it's the sound of the flashlight rolling across the ground. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, the light comes on, but in the opposite corner of the room. And then it, ha- and then it happens one right more now. time. So <laughs> now you know that there's three other people in this room with her. Mm-hmm. When she was just in that room by herself with the homeless guy uh, just two seconds ago. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was, was such effective. a cool, effective uh, it, trick. Yeah. Like you said, this, this movie, is. I, I'm, I hope that this guy does more. Especially in this genre, because I'd love to see him, the director, expand on these ideas mm-hmm. and make like a truly. Granted, this movie was actually pretty scary at times, but like, oh yeah, a truly like terrifying horror movie. Mm-hmm. I think he's capable of it. I really, really do. Um, there's another spot in the movie where you're getting some more backstory on the cult, and they she walks into a room where they're all sitting in like a half circle in front of a mirror, only. In the mirror, you can see all their faces and they're singing, yet the girls that are in the room are like, they all have the bags over their heads. Mm-hmm. And it was just super creepy. Again, it's the imagery. Like, it was this really cool use of like the reflection and the, and I, it was just I awesome. thought of another movie that this reminded me of. So I, it reminded me of uh, the one that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, what the hell did you mention earlier? Oh, The Void. Oh, The Void. And then it kind of, it, it reminded me of Sinister a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Cause I there could were, absolutely see that. Uh, especially like there's a especially that scene. There's a there's a scene where Ethan Hawke's character like goes up into the attic, mm-hmm. and he sees um, the group of kids sitting in a circle. Yeah, and then I think that's the same kind of thing where they all look at him and their faces are all are messed all up or up. something like that. They had yeah. these weird like the masks looked really cool though too. It was like fabric masks, mm-hmm. but the blood that was on them looked like watercolors. It was mm-hmm. like a really weird like, like a Rorschach yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was super cool. It was, it was super inventive. Mm-hmm. Um so this is all happening or whatever. She keeps like she keeps running into all these weird fucking things that I would have been out of there. She actually tries to go sit in her car at one point in time, but she has to go back because she hears the phone ring. And um so she ends up talking to uh, a guy, the guy that she's been talking to, the dispatcher from the other um, cop shop, the other, the new, yeah. the new, um, 
drinking game. Every time I say cop shop, uh, take a take a shot. We'll just stick with cop shop. Um, the the other department. Department. Yeah. Um, so he, finally, he's realizing that what she what she is calling him about over and over about this girl and the cult and all this stuff mm -hmm. starts to sound familiar to him. Yeah. And he starts telling her a story about how it might not just be you, and I might know what's going on. You know, there are stories of. You know, the, the, the that building's not just shutting down because we built a new one. It's right. shutting down because some weird shit started happening. It got to the point where we couldn't even keep uh, prisoners in yeah. holding because so they were complaining her, about weird shit. He's finally telling her the story. All the answers that she's been looking for for the entire duration of the movie, mm -hmm. she hears one thing in the other room and she just hangs up on him. It's like, no, this guy's giving you <laughs> all of the answers that you need right now. Don't just hang up on him. Was, was that not? the part though? She didn't hear something though. There was a, a all of a sudden a photograph fell to the okay. floor. Photograph isn't going anywhere. But it was a photograph of her father dead at the scene. He's dead. She's not missing nothing. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he dead. I'm, I'm gonna listen to the rest of his story. If you're getting all of the answers to ever that is making your entire night that you're freaking out about make sense at least a little bit, don't hang up on him until he's done, or say hey. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> I would I would just say, uh, tell Sergeant Cohen that my badge and my gun are sitting on the, the countertop. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a cop anymore. Yeah. It's like, I need an adult. Like, just well, her, getting her, out of there. Her, the whole movie starts with a phone call with her mother. Mm -hmm. And her mom says, I really wish you would. Like, let's talk about this. You shouldn't be doing this. And she, and she wants to be a cop because her dad was a cop and she's following him in his footsteps. But uh, mom's the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. Just don't do it. It's bad news. Just, just, just Hughes was even thinking about she it. He was thinking about it. Just don't. Just don't. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought that was crazy. It's like, he's telling you everything. And she didn't even bother calling back. <laughs> she could have called him back at any point in time to get the rest of the story. Well, I think that's when stuff really started to go south, <laughs> it wasn't did. it? It did. Shit did kind of hit the fan. Um, and we talked about the, the tropes they used over and over. They used the same jump scares over mm. and over mm -hmm. in this movie too and that was a big detriment especially towards the end because they, they, they stopped really doing anything new at that point yeah and they were just recycling scary ideas from the beginning of the movie uh, yeah i'd say like the last half hour of the movie is you could tell every single time a jump scare was going to happen yep. and especially when it got to um once you were actually uh obviously spoilers we spoil everything so uh once you actually got to dealing with the the demon yeah. Like when, uh, so there was a character by the name of John Michael Payman who, uh, who was the the head of this the Payman family, this kind of Charles Manson figure, and uh, at one point she walks into a room where you get a lot of ex a lot of expose in the form of um, footage from interviews, yeah, like post arrest interviews where they're interviewing these three members of the Payman family and they're talking about the despicable things that they do and the reason they're doing them. And uh, and eventually she witnesses the actual transformation of uh, him into the demon. Yeah. And then once the embodiment you, of evil, right? Once you like saw a, that, it was like he just kept popping out from random places and yeah, shit like that. I I Did, also thought that this movie suffered at the very end, <laughs> suffered from a bit too much expose. Like they, I think they explained it all yeah. way too much at the end. Yeah, they could have easily, easily, easily put a little bit like less, like a little bit more subtext into right. it, and not had it been so on the nose. Um, 
not spoilers, fuck, we've ruined everything else. We might as well keep going. <laughs> so the whole movie, she keeps calling this cleaning company that is supposed to be coming in to basically like uh, clean, I uh, guess, part it's of the- It's a hazmat company. Hazmat company, company yeah. yeah. And they say, oh, we can't get there, we can't get there, we can't, th- can't get there. So that's like this ongoing sort of like behind the scenes theme going on. Um, and uh, so finally at the end of the movie, she's getting, uh, she's getting broken in. Um, the, 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 she thinks that the, the police station is being basically broken into. And she... There's only four of those? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and she fires off uh, some shots and she kills three uh, three people breaking in. And it turns out to be the hazmat people that she's been talking to all night. Now that part to me was... Uh, I knew exactly what was going on. Did you? Uh, no. She basically... I didn't put it together until they, they basically... And the, in the face this it. is this is another reason why I wondered if the, the the guy the dispatch officer that she was talking to Jay do you need a beer no I'm good still thank you uh, I was wondering if the dispatch officer that she was talking to was real or not mm-hmm. because he even said like oh you know they caught they caught those three members of the payment family but there it's it's alleged that there's several more members and then just well, that seems it, legit, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. But then all of a sudden, three more members of this payment family show up to, and they're running around trying yeah, to shoot yeah. at her, telling her that she's going to die, even though they keep shooting at her at point blank range and missing her, which is pretty obvious that yeah. she's not dealing with what you think she's dealing with. Very true. Very true. And then, yeah, but I, as she was chasing those people around, and the like, the mental. Uh, figure eight that she's already done throughout this entire movie i i kind of figured at the end it was going to be revealed that she was actually shooting innocent people which she was did you did you pick up on the the payment thing which payment thing payment does that sound familiar uh the name vaguely yeah it's the same demon that they were dealing with in the movie hereditary that we just saw uh yeah very interesting which is if you think about it there's actually you could you could draw some parallels oh, like absolutely. so you had John Michael Payman is that, like a, is, that a, is that a thing that's supposedly real like the payment 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 is a real demon well according as, as real as demons are yeah if you believe in it <laughs> but the way that so in hereditary in hereditary and in this movie they dealt with him in very different ways because in hereditary he wasn't like the god of the underworld he was sort of the he or not god but like the the i guess it would be god of the, the underworld but in this movie, they said that Satan or Lucifer was kind of a bitch compared to Payman. And yeah. that, but in reality, if you look up information about Payman, Payman was actually under Lucifer, and mm-hmm. he controlled two hundred. Uh, one of the generals. One of the legions. generals or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like he was under Lucifer, but he controlled two hundred legions of other demons. But he wasn't as powerful as Lucifer. But gotcha. in Hereditary, the reason they wanted to conjure him is because he was the the demon who could bring them riches. Mm-hmm. And in this, it seemed more like they kind of for they decided to forego all of the actual like what if you want to call it actual, all the actual information about who who or what payment is mm-hmm. and they decided to make them like the all-powerful demon that they, they had their own to, narrative to it right, basically. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was interesting because it's kind of the same thing like it was a uh, an able-bodied man who was sacrificing himself and other people in order to conjure this demon. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, kind of the same thing. Yeah, I dug it though. Overall, 
Uh, the, the movie had some drawbacks, but overall, I liked it a lot. I thought uh, I thought it was great. I thought um, it was way for a movie that I knew nothing about going into it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely yeah. loved this movie. Yeah, it yeah, um, it had highly its, highly recommend. It. it had its drawbacks, but totally, I would mm-hmm. I would recommend watching it. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, and also we'll end on this. I just realized that the name of the the one ghost who was doing the bear crawl across the floor. Yeah, her name bear crawl. Her name is. Bashed face Betty. <laughs> bashed face Betty. Bashed face Betty. That's a song. Whoa, yeah. bashed right, Betty. How much? How much would you pay for this movie? I'm glad you brought this back because we didn't. We didn't do I'm it gonna, for the past couple weeks. Keep doing this. Uh, I would. I would pay a solid six dollars for this one. That's it. Six dollars and sixty six cents. If I was buying this. I mean, if I, if I was if I was buying this brand new, I'd, I'd I'd spend about twelve. You think so? Yeah. All right. I would. All right. That's fair. As long as there were some extras, though. Yeah. Was, let's be honest. If it's just a bargain, if it's just a bare bones, the six is more like it. Yeah. But well, all right. Uh, so that is Last Shift from 2014. Check it out on Netflix if you're curious. I've, yes. We, we would definitely recommend that one. And now for something a little more, um, what's the right word? Uh, kooky. A little quirky. A little kooky. Kooky? Kooky sure. and quirky. Kooky and quirky. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I love this movie. I... I'm still digesting this movie. <laughs> well, well, let's get into it then. This is a grave, Graveyard Shift from 1990. Uh, directed by Ralph S. Singleton, which... Is there another director named Singleton? John Singleton? Yeah, is that it? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, why does his name sound so familiar? And I looked it up, like, this guy hasn't done shit. <laughs> like, uh, very, I was very confused. Yeah, he hasn't really... Has he? Oh, he's mostly a production manager. That's like Oh, his... you know what? I said that the guy from Last Shift was a production manager. Deny or something like that. Oh, I think yeah, I was uh, thinking of De Blasi. Yeah, I think I was thinking of Singleton here. Yeah, no, De Blasi. He's he's still kind of uh, he's still kind of not necessarily new to the directing game, but he doesn't have a ton of credits. Well, this is 1990, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking about De Blasi. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of directing credits, but everything he's done seems pretty respectable. But uh, yeah, uh, this was directed by Ralph S. Singleton. Don't know if he's related to John Singleton at all. Who knows. Uh, in a very old textile mill with a serious rat infestation, the workers discover a horrifying secret deep in the basement. Uh, so, I have to say this. Yeah. I have mentioned this to both of you guys off air, but I need to say it again. Say it. Stephen King, easily the most world-renowned horror writer. Like, like the best that, best there ever has been. Like, up there with the likes of, like, fucking... Uh, like Poe, I mean not poet, but like like Poe as far as as far as writing or um, I mean if you look at like Poe and Lovecraft, Lovecraft they're, they're definitely like, on a different level. Sure, from Stephen but the King, modern, but, the but modern, for the, yeah, for the yeah. like the modern father of horror, I'd say that Stephen I mean, King definitely holds definitely, that title. I would definitely put all of those guys in like maybe even the top five horror writers. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, just. Uh, uh, R.L. Stein would would also oh you know it goosebumps baby <laughs> fear street bitch um, anyway though like for this guy who is such a renowned writer I tend to find most of his movies and books are just basically his books are just the equivalent of basically B flicks it's what they are maximum overdrive <laughs> graveyard shift uh even uh even like pet cemetery and cujo they're great stories but they're 
they're fucking weird, like B movie esque stories. I d- I disagree. And they're so maybe because they all turn into B movies though too. Maybe that's why I'm thinking of that. Uh, no, they don't. But like not B movies. I wouldn't say that his movies are B movies necessarily. I mean, obviously, it's not The Shining's not the you know uh, Cujo's the, not. Uh, uh, Cujo's uh, kind of B. Christine's not. They're all kind of B. Carrie's not. Carrie's not. These Carrie's are, more mainstream, but these are all I, these are I all know. pretty mainstream movies. I, I just. I but just, I asked you earlier. You said his stories are kind of stupid. <laughs> I said, get, name me another stupid story. Like this one is definitely quirky. This is this is based off. Again, of the, I'll say Maximum Overdrive. Uh, <laughs> but I'm but in a way like because you you mentioned earlier he seems to like cars. Mm-hmm. There's definitely there's definitely something to that like there's there's something to the that was back before the time of smartphones and stuff like that and so pe- maybe like, Stephen people, King people lost still, his virginity people in a still, car and it was a really bad experience so now cars are just, <laughs> just evil demonic just never wants anything to do with them <laughs> he, the, we still as a culture we're obsessed with things and mm-hmm. so like he he finds a way to make things scary in a way no and he does i'm not saying that he doesn't do that i just i guess i i if you'd never read a single stephen king book Mm -hmm. but you've heard people talk about his brilliance and how scary he is and terrifying and he's the scariest horror writer ever these are not the stories that you would probably think of have you ever read any stephen king books no that's besides the point (laughs) uh no and i have i've made it through half of the stand and i don't think i'll ever be able to finish it the stand is the hardest book in the world the stand's like 1500 pages long that's like the worst place to start yeah i got turned off i got turned off because of that book to be honest with you Really? Um, I love his stories. Don't get me wrong. Even though I'm giving his stories crap, I love his stories because I you love need, you need that to, kind of stuff. You need to read it. It's so um, good. Um, yeah. I, I think I think too that like there's there's a lot of especially in the adaptations. There's a lot of subtext in Stephen King stories that kind of kind of gets thrown to the wayside mm-hmm. in, uh, in in the adaptations, and it's the kind of thing where if you know the stories. You can pick up on a uh, like little, a little nuance, like a little tiny bit, like a, a little remainder of the the subtext sure. in the movies. So it really helps to know the stories before you watch the movies. But even even still, like his the the adaptations of of his books that are made into movies, even if you don't know the stories, they're still super entertaining. Oh, I'm not saying they're not entertaining. Yeah. I'm just, I guess, like I said, I whatever. Maybe my my point is mute, probably at this point. But moot. like, mute <laughs> and mute or and mute <laughs> and mute. <laughs> I I don't know. I just it's just I just find it funny that for a guy that is so regarded as being terrifying, he writes stories about giant mutant rat bats. <laughs> like, it's, it's well, this like, is a short story. It's just like what the fuck. This is a short story. This is something that he probably just crapped out in like a day. Yeah, <laughs> probably. And and honestly, like he, we've talked before. Like he's a stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness writer. Yeah. So he doesn't. It's not like he plans things out. Like he just sits down and, mm-hmm. like whatever comes out of his fingers, that's a story. You know. Yeah. There's editing and stuff like that, but it's it. And you can tell too when you read his books. Like you said before, he's very very wordy. Well, he spends like a chapter describing a rock that has nothing to do with the story. Absolutely, but it has. <laughs> everything to do with the story <laughs> sorry sorry i can't say that seriously so anyway uh basically you have uh john hall who's a, a bit of a drifter mm-hmm. uh comes in uh, comes into this town of uh what the hell was the name of the town 
Why can't I think of the name of the town right um, now? Um, Bachman. No, Bachman was the name of the mill. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a town. Yeah, I can't think of the town. But uh, so he drifts into this town looking for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, ends up basically the only place to work in the entire town is this old textile mill. Yep. And uh, and he he gets in with a very short interview, <laughs> and. Uh, with, with, Would you uh, like to work here? Yes. Okay, you're hired. <laughs> but I hope there's you're, more to it than that. But I hope you're work, comfortable working the graveyard shift. <laughs> Dude, okay. that, that accent. Stephen Stephen <laughs> Mott, Mott. Yeah. Uh, who plays Warwick, the boss? That accent was just outrageous. His name's great too. The Warwick totally Warwick. fits. It, it fits that that speech pattern that he has like <laughs> yeah. i don't know why it just does i had such a tough time like I've, I've seen this movie a ton of times but mostly when i was younger and uh in this accent i kind of forgot how ridiculous it was yeah because i i get what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like a new england sort of uh like mainer accent but it it definitely sounds like it's mixed with a weird sort of um like the southern southern gentleman kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the foghorn leghorns. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. But it, and then or, or the colonel and the oh the colonel the colonel and then like Russian every once in a while. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? He's just going in and out. The weirdest accent in the world. Um, now who was the character of Danson? Uh, Danson was. I know who the, played uh, him, but who was the character? He was the 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 huge dude with the long kind of longish hair, and he was so him and. Him and Brogan, who was the the huge asshole, the guy who was spraying the hose yes. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. They were the guys that were sitting in That's the diner, kind of kind of razzing uh, John as he walked in. Okay, to look so Danson was played by Andrew Divoff. Andrew Divoff and yeah. if you don't know who Andrew Divoff mm-hmm. is, if you've ever seen the Wishmaster movies, he plays the Jin right. in the Wishmaster. Some of my favorite creature movies. I yeah. love those movies so much. They're oh yeah, so terrible. And awesome. I love them. But great practical effects. Like oh just yeah, old they're, school they're practical fantastic. Effects. So good. I love those movies for the same reason that I love like the Leprechaun movies. Oh yeah, they're not great movies, but they're <laughs> fun. They're yeah. so fun. Um, so you had Andrew Divoff who played uh, Danson, um, Kelly Wolf who looks super familiar, but I could not place her. Played uh, uh, Jane Wiskonski. Um, did you look her up at all? I did, and I didn't recognize her from anything. Yet she looked super familiar. She's in Grey's Anatomy. Um, and then you have the absolutely incredible. This movie does not exist or even hold a candle without the brilliance of Brad um, Dorif. <laughs> wow, I'm like looking at his name like on my screen. I I just like blanked. Oh, see, uh, I, Brad I, Dorif. I, like, I thought I thought you were going with uh, Vic Polizos. <laughs> He's pretty good too, Brogan. Brogan. Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> oh, he was so bad. Brad Dorif's Exterminator, though, is easily the greatest character. I think maybe in <sighs> you go. I, I think in, in as far as Stephen King's uh, side characters go, maybe not mm-hmm. main characters, but side characters. You have you have uh, uh, Brad Dorf's Exterminator, and then right next to him would be uh, Herman Munster in Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> for like greatest supporting characters. Fred Gwynn. Yes, dude. What? Oh my god. Hey, don't don't forget Scatman Crothers in The Shining. Ah, he's pretty good too. You're Dark right. right. But I feel like that the side characters in these Stephen King movies I think are almost better than the main characters. Brad, Dur- I love them. Brad Dourif's part in this movie was uh, it was amazing, and he was killed off way too quick. Like it, it's it's crazy how and way because, too abruptly too. 
I like, actually I liked felt it. Like his death, there was no lead up to it. Like he was just dead. I actually liked it. We'll get we'll get into this a little bit more later. But I liked his death scene. I thought it was really cool and really well done. But I have a problem with it. But we'll get to that okay. in, a, in in a couple minutes. Brad Dourif is so you said this is a, this is a B movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of schlocky. It's kind of schlocky. He's the only like I can't think of anybody else who can come in and takes it so serious and play like, a play a role so straight. I mean, obviously, not serious. Was, not serious is the word, but straight. But though, plays yeah. it straight. Like he obviously, there's a little bit of humor. Like he's supposed to be super intense. Mm-hmm. Like that's who the character's supposed to be, and he does that perfectly. And and that like he's got a monologue in this where I'm like, dude. Just that two-minute section of this movie, he should have won an Oscar for. I agree. It was so well, good. Well, here's the thing: I was going to use that monologue for our opening bit at the beginning of the episode, but it was two minutes and long. I didn't even realize that it was so long because you watch it it's and you're so just good. you're just like watching him. I'm like, oh, it's probably a minute long or whatever. No, it's double that plus. Like, you get sucked in. You really do. He's like, I like. Uh, obviously, everybody knows him as Chucky. Everybody knows him from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's mm-hmm. in the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. He's the most underrated actor ever, so I good. think, because he's so, so damn good. good at what he does. And that the the monologue that he gives is uh, that we didn't play, unfortunately, because it was too long. Is he's talking to uh, David Andrews' character, John Hall, about being in Vietnam, because he's now this super intense exterminator who mm-hmm. just like lives for killing rats. And he gives this monologue to uh, to John Hall about being in Vietnam, and. Uh, how the the Viet Cong had uh, basically kind of trained the rats to be on their side because they would give them a warm meal after, mm-hmm. uh, and, and basically the the warm meal was a, an American soldier with a slice cut in his belly, and then they would put a hot rice bowl over the rat, and the rat would eat burrow and, in, yeah, yeah, burrow into the hole, and then once it was in there, it would hear this terrible beating sound that it wanted to put an end to so it would burrow up and eat the guy's heart but he plays it like i said so straightforward and he even starts to cry in the middle of it did I you know, notice yes. that i was like what the fuck that's so I good know, i didn't know that if it was supposed to be crying or if it was like his sweat no you could dripping. see it was like i know that it was running down from, his eye oh, but man. i still didn't know if maybe they spritzed him a little bit beforehand and it was a little bit heavy and it just dripped i wasn't sure what i mean you was, could but... see that he was sweating in the scene but it was quite clear because he, he looks, had really glassy eyes and he, he and looks it was... so uncomfortable in this movie too like the the clothes that he's wearing and for how sweaty and dirty he looks all the time like i, I got that impression like i work outside and sometimes I don't dress the part. Like sometimes when I'm at work, I will not wear like my outdoor clothes, which are a little bit more baggy because they're they're they breathe better, quite frankly. And I'll wear I'll wear not skinny jeans, but like you know tight you know more slim fitting jeans, if nice you will. Nice pair of girl jeans. And the only reason that I bring this up is because if you're working outside with tighter fitting clothes, mm-hmm. it can be miserable because yeah. everything just sticks to you and you're so hot. Mm-hmm. And he looked like that though throughout the entire movie. He's got like this really skin tight. Uh, pants on, like super. But also, like, and, oh. and he's wearing a vest with yes. just equipment hanging off of it. Yeah, and stuff. He looks so hot and uncomfortable. But that's how he's 24/7. supposed to look. That's how he's supposed to and look. It was, but it, it made me feel scuzzy. I was like, oh god. But take like, a you, you got a sense that the character, like, he's still kind of he viewed this 
eternal battle that he had with the rats as kind of still being in the shit, you know? Yeah. Yep. Like this was he, he was, was a soldier. Yeah, he was a soldier and this is like he he came back from Vietnam and this is what he was destined to do is like destroy the I'll enemy. I'll say this though. I've never seen somebody try to kill rats 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 with the equivalent Waskly rats with, <laughs> with the equivalent of basically like a weed killer. I've never seen anybody kill rats like that before. Oh, I mean, if you with, sprayed with rat, if you sprayed rat poison onto a rat, you can kill bugs like that. Why can't you kill rats if it's super potent? We could probably spend the rest of this episode just talking about Brad Dourif's character. Good, and we probably <laughs> should. Oh uh, yeah, we should. Um, um but uh, <laughs> I'll just I'll just get I'll just get to the the problem that I had with his death, and then we can move on to other stuff. He was he was locked in this eternal battle with his number one enemy which was the rats mm-hmm. so it was kind of disappointing that he didn't die at the hands of the rats yep you know what i mean yep i agree instead he he chased... should have died by the rats burrowing into him right that's how he should like have died. he described yeah or and, and he definitely should have been in the movie more too like it it seems like he should have at some point uh once they get down into that like the underground layer mm-hmm. of the mill he should have showed up in sort of a heroic way at some point but then met his demise in a really you know i want to see somebody like just going out in a, a blaze of gunfire or we something need to like have that. an exterminator side story like a like a, like a spin-off movie about like his early days brad Dorf still looks pretty good he could totally oh play yeah it off. absolutely just make him look a little younger <laughs> <laughs> they could totally do it um <laughs> so that was that was the problem that i had with his death but that being said his death was really cool his death was cool because he chases his dog moxie into the into a mausoleum mm-hmm. have you ever spent any time in a graveyard <laughs> he chases his dog into a into a mausoleum and while he's in there the ground shifts and one of the uh, um the, it's, the, it's, the, it's not a the coffin sar- uh, uh, the sarcophagus you, the... not a sarcophagus what do you call those oh, We've been talking about sarcophagi yep. too much. The coffin goes inside the... Can you think of that, Jay? The coffin goes inside the giant cement thing. Tomb? tomb? No, it's not it's the not tomb. It's not a tomb. What do you call those things? Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, that, look it up. anyway that thing shifts and it slides toward him and it crushes his, his head. Yep. And then it, it, it starts to fall down underground and it just smears his head across the wall as he's going down. And then the last shot is of his hand. Like, the vault? Is, uh, I don't it's think it's the vault. vault it's, yeah, it's a, it's a burial vault. And then you see his hand sinking underneath the soil. It was a really cool, effective death. Mm-hmm. I just felt like he should have died at the hands of the rats, though. I I completely agree with you. After that whole monologue and everything, it just it, yeah. it didn't it make have, sense to kill him off the way that they it did. It would have made a thousand times more sense. Yeah. It just it just would have. So anyway, uh, basically what basically what's happening in this movie is Warwick, the owner of this textile plant, is being threatened with shutdown. Uh, uh, basically, a shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to condemn his building because the basement of this place is just in shambles. There's <laughs> shit laying There's, everywhere. There is no way that you could spend a weekend cleaning up a basement that has water leaks all over it and everything else and make it habitable yeah. to work. There's no <laughs> way in hell. No. Granted. Granted, he, uh, Warwick wasn't exactly worried about that. He just basically wanted people to be able to work down there, even in the worst conditions possible. Right. I mean, look at the conditions that the main guy was working in with the 
the raw oh, materials. With the, the picker? Yeah, the yeah. picker. Like it, it was terrible. He's, there was like a thousand rats down there. There was no way with rat piss and shit all you could even you probably couldn't even breathe down there. The ammonia would be so bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so clearly they don't really give a shit about uh there's no OSHA. The cleanliness. You know? well, well, that's essentially what it was, though. The health department was coming in and said, if you don't get this shit cleaned up, we're going to shut you down. Uh-huh. And he says, well, the whole town depends on this place, so we're going to get it cleaned up. And just like Joe Bob Briggs, he did anything for 200 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they got this crew down there to clean it up over the 4th of July weekend. And uh, and and that's when things take a, a big turn for the worse. Uh-huh. They've got, what, five of them down there? There's Yeah, there's... Uh, You've um, got John Hall, you've got uh, Wisconsky, 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 sorry, I don't have the accent to say it that way, <laughs> Wisconsky, there we go, uh, uh, Brogan's down there, who else is down uh, there? Carmichael. Carmichael, uh, Dan- uh, Warwick's down there too, actually. Yep, Warwick's down um, there, kind so of yeah, so basically everybody around. They spend the 4th of July weekend because everybody else is off, the plant's shut down for the holiday, so they go in there basically for the 4th of July weekend to clean up the basement right and um, uh what do they find james well what do they find first rats <laughs> rats obviously <laughs> <laughs> when brogan's running around with the hose spraying the what rats. A terrible way to kill rats like, that's not helping at all you're just uh, making everything wet you're making that's everything you're wet doing. but have you like those those fire hoses though that's like being punched in the chest when you're human if you're a little tiny rat and you get hit with that stream of water you're dead you think they're going to die from that? Absolutely. I don't know. I don't buy it. Rats are pretty resilient. If you hit them a with like a cockroach would survive. Well, do you think do you think that if you walked up to a rat and you punched it full force it, it would die? I don't know. I've never punched a rat full force. Well, it's something to shoot for there, Carl. Touche. I'm going to go find me a rat now. <laughs> um but they end up. Oh, you dirty rat! You, dirty you kill my brother! You dirty, you dirty rat. rat! You. They end up finding. <laughs> Where's uh, that from? Uh, you dirty rat! The, what the oh, hell it's from is Ninja that? Turtles? Oh, it's it is. Yeah. From Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they end up uh, kind of breaking into this old cellar, and it turns out there's a. So I got the sense that it was a, a distillery. Like maybe they were bootlegging shine back in the prohibition. Is that days. what it was? There's there big was a, machinery down there. There was a there was a section when they finally got down to where all the bones were. There was like a mountain of bones mm-hmm. in the very bottom of this place, and it looked like there was a giant whiskey still down there. Oh, okay, or Could've shine been. still, or Could've whatever been. the hell. I That's kind of what I, I thought it was. I just find it funny that there's this giant like network of rooms and tunnels and underneath actually, this building that no one knew about. Well, it it's would, massive. It, but it would make <laughs> it would yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. It would make sense though that it was a distillery during prohibition days though because it was right next to a river. True. And if you think about here in Detroit, that's all true. of all of the 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 uh the, sh- the moonshining stations and the bootlegging stuff was set up right by the Detroit River. Not all of it. Not all of it. Well, not yeah. all of it, but of it, it, like but, it make, but it makes sense to have it right because you got not only a fresh supply of water to true. make your booze, but then you also have a way to ship it down downstream if you that need to. That is very true. So anyway, um, they end up in the, the bowels of this place, and they figure out that there's something after them. It almost becomes, like, I can totally see the end of this movie being like a Benny Hill skit where they're all just running back and forth into all these different rooms and like hallways down like i don't know why <laughs> Pretty why, can't, much, why, can't, yeah. why can't i think of the benny hill song how does it go yeah 
It's something like you did. Basically, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just it's that just reminded me of that because they're all just running around back and forth through all the rooms and like yeah. <laughs> but it's so big. How do they not know there was stuff down there? Who owns this building and doesn't have like old bl- like blueprints? Well, it was that a, was not just prohibition. That was existed well before they were yeah just making shine. Yeah, down there was there. a lot of shit down there. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense though because there was, a, yeah, it was this huge like cavernous underground area. Which but the, I loved. the only way to get there was through one single trap door. Yeah, and I know? love when they first go down that trap door. I love the atmosphere they sat down there with like the fog just on the on the ground floor. And yeah, the, the, the creepy staircase that breaks when they fall down it. Yeah. Like it was, a, it was a perfect like just classic scary movie type atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. And I kind, I kind of love that. Kind of the same. It's the same atmosphere they set up out in the graveyard too. Mm-hmm. It had that like low, low hanging fog just yep. around the ankles. Yep. It was very, like seventies and eighties horror. Um. So this is where they meet the rat monster. The bat. The giant. Really. Is it a bat? It's a. It's got wings. True, but it was also like ratty and. Why would they have all well, the rats down there? There's though? there's a reason they call. Bats flying rats. See, and that was my thing though. Is was it written that way simply just because they call them flying rats, even though there's no like real connection to them? I don't know. <laughs> was that just Stephen King being dumb? Like, well, it's called a flying rat. Got to be the same thing, right? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> I don't. It's it's hard to say because I haven't read the story in a long time, but I do remember that there was a line in it uh, that. Uh, I can't remember which character, but he describes one of the characters. I think it was Warwick, actually. Warwick is killed by, a, it says, a giant legless rat the size of a, a cow or something like that. A Holstein steer or something Jeez. like that. Holstein bull. A giant legless rat the size of a cow. What does it just roll? <laughs> I don't know. Just, just barrel That's, rolls off. I, I don't even. I don't even remember the context. I only remember that description of it, That's which it. doesn't make any sense. But if you look at it in the movie, like it, it will. It's it, creepy. It hangs upside down. Yeah. Oh no. And it it's and it wraps, definitely a bat. I just thought it that wraps it was, those membranous wings around the people to kill them. I just them. thought that maybe it was like a cross between like it was a hybrid animal or something like that. You know, it might saying? be. I don't know. Because it makes. I, I don't know. Unless it's just a giant bat who's been down there forever, mm-hmm. and it's. Just kind of in cahoots with the rats, you know what I mean? Because it's gotten so big, it can't fly around anymore. So I'm so big, I can't move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad that I can't move. It seems to get along. I live in this basement. It seems to get around pretty well. The rats are my friends. Well, it also swims underwater, which is I don't know the bats. I can, can use. swim. <laughs> I don't know why that's the voice for it, but it is. Because it's old. <laughs> pretty much. I'm just tired. Anyway, though, so they bust into the basement, though, and that's that's pretty much it. Like, uh, they discover giant rat monster bat guy, and, uh, and game on. And we'll we'll keep a we'll keep a little bit we'll keep a little bit from you, even though this movie came out uh, uh, mm-hmm. thirty years ago. But I'll say this: I think the best. They, they they showed the monster in quick like flashes as mm-hmm. to not show the whole thing because let's be honest if you did probably look ter- it would look terrible so yeah they they hit it well and you enough to it where actually, it was effective you know what it actually reminded me of it looked a lot like the horrible monster from the Barrens 
Yes. Well, yeah, sort of. Because the Barons was kind of like it. Oh, it looked better. It looked better. It was more appropriate for this movie. It looked awful in the Barons, but it was kind of the Barons but if was they like a shown, giant bat monster. But if they would have shown this thing full body, it would have probably looked just as bad as the right. monster in the Barons looked. Right. Which is why it was a smart move for them to yep. not. Now, when it dies at the end, though, even though even though uh, timeline wise, it's already way too dead. Like it gets basically put through the mill. Yeah, it already oh, through the picker. It already looks like it's been gone through the picker before it gets to the teeth of the picker, though. Like there was, it was weird. Well, you just, well, it's it was backwards. It kind of it looked like a naked roll, a naked mole rat, kind mm-hmm. of like it was flesh colored. Favorite kind of mole rat, exactly. By the way. <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. It, it looked because it, it was flesh colored, mm-hmm. which was really weird. But it also looked like I don't know, it was all pockmarked and like it already looked like it was bloodied up like, for some reason. Like picture like. Picture like uh, a guy that just got his ass beat in like a UFC fight, mixed with the, the, the face of a blobfish. That's pretty much what it looked like. <laughs> a blobfish, right? What a stupid animal! <laughs> <laughs> but am I wrong though? No, like, no, like, it's exactly right. what it looked like. Yeah, and like just you said, a, if they had if they had showed so it, so if full you beat the for... shit out of a blobfish, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what it looked if like. If I ever see a blobfish, I am gonna beat the shit out of it because it's so stupid. Uh, no, but it, it's it, and that's why you said like they just kind of showed bits and pieces yeah. of it here and there, and that's why it was more effective. Yep. Because if they would have showed it a lot, and for the, like you know for the most part they would only show like every once in a while they'd show its claw <clears throat> or they showed its tail ducking underneath the water to go mm-hmm. kill Brogan, and you see its face flashed every once in a while. Toward the end of the movies, when you really see the most of it, but yep. even then, they didn't really show you a full body shot. Not at all. Which, which is fine. They can keep that hidden. That's, right. You don't need it. You know right. what I'm saying? Some movies think that you need to show too much, and it ends up killing the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that they didn't do it. it this, it's, it's just enough camp, just enough schlockiness to, to, to make it work. And it I, was it was weird because you not only are you dealing with the rats and the giant rat bat at the end, but mm-hmm. also um, rat bat. But also Warwick goes completely out of his mind mm-hmm. and goes into... I got the sense that maybe he was ex-military or something, too. Warwick? Yeah. I don't know. Hey, he's just this big dude with the, the buzz cut, and he carried... It looked like a K-bar knife on his on his belt. Yeah, I just and think then he's, he, just and think then he's he, a douche. At the, <laughs> he, took, he took grease from a bottle and smudged it all over his face at oh, the end. Oh, you're right. And he, he kind of seemed like he was like reverting back to warrior like, yeah. mode. You know what I mean? Yep. You're right. So I, that's so. Not only do you have the rats and the rat bat, but you also have uh, just call me John Hall dealing with Warwick going completely psycho. Call me John Ratbone. <laughs> John Ratbone. <laughs> Ratbone. Rat. Or, or rat. rat no, I like rat. Ratbo. I like rat. I like Ratbone. That was good. <laughs> First blood. All right. I have a couple takeaways. Yeah. A couple takeaways. Yeah. Firstly, there's a st- there's a part in the movie where. Um, when the the main character, when uh, John Hall. Uh, John Hall first goes in, uh, he's sitting by himself in the local diner, and the locals want nothing to do with him. None. And they know that he's he got the job basically uh, feeding the picker, mm-hmm. and uh, they know it's all rats down there. So he no longer sits, no no sooner sits down, but one of the guys at the bar immediately brings him over a tray that has basically a dead rat on a burger bun. Right. Enjoy your rat sandwich. Here's my takeaway. 
it took them all of five seconds to just find a dead rat to put on a burger. Leave that establishment. Somebody needs because to, there's just dead rats somebody lying needs to around. Shut this <laughs> fucking restaurant down. There's, there's dead just, rats there's everywhere. There's just a dead rat lying around so quickly <laughs> they could put it on the burger and bring it over to leave that place. Don't eat there. Other dude finds a giant rat hair in a stew. Okay. Oh, that was so gross. Clearly not the place to be. My my other takeaway. <laughs> my other takeaway is that. Uh, um, cool story, man. Yeah, right. I lost my train of thought. It was there, and then it was just gone. Oh, that's what it was. Does Stephen King hate women? Because I feel like in every single one of his movies, there's a girl getting like beaten up at some point in time. At least in a lot of them, there are. And it's like, and I feel as though I've heard this argument before that some people say that a lot of Stephen King stories are a bit uh, sexist. Yeah. And in these early movies that take a lot of stuff, maybe that wasn't even in the story, I don't know. But I, I feel as though I see that a lot in his movies and I hear about it in his stories. If you think about it, though, in this case, it was... She deserved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was asking for it. <laughs> oh, God. We're kidding. No. We're kidding. <laughs> no, if you think about it, in most stories where women are mistreated, like you have The Shining, which uh, um, uh, Wendy... You know, obviously sure, sure. Jack Torrance treats her like a, kind of a pile of shit, but she ends up beating him over the head sure. with a baseball bat and locking him in a cooler. The, like, the, she was... And then she makes it out alive. The tables turn, they always end up winning, right? Um, Yeah, D. Uh, Wallace's character, I can't think of her, her name, and Cujo, mm -hmm. she's the one who ends up surviving, even and, though... And I get that, but, like, I, I just feel like... They, they go out of their way, though, a little bit to just show it bit too gratuitously you know well, what I'm saying? I, like, I, I think know. it was also I think it, first of all you have to set up the fact that Warwick is a complete chauvinist asshole sure in this in this movie and they accomplished that because he would he was very salacious and he like he really came on to Jane Wisconsin Wisconsin a lot and treated her like a piece of meat even though she was an employee mm -hmm. and also uh what was uh Nordello he treated her like a piece of meat True. even though she was an employee and then True. she even she tried to show him affection at one point in time and he acted like a complete asshole to her and then he ends up like <clears throat> putting her in a stranglehold later yeah, on in the right? movie and John Hall comes in and saves the day. So you had to set up the fact that Warwick's a piece of shit, John Hall's a good guy, and then I Nordello just, goes in to try and get her revenge and unfortunately only, ends up dead. But. If this was the only Stephen King story, though, that happened, I wouldn't even bat an eye at it because it's just character development and it's telling the story of the chauvinist. And yeah, I get that. But I just feel like you see it in a ton of his work. And maybe maybe it's just like it's what like, it's, it's a reflection of him. Like maybe that's on his mind a lot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe a, there's something about it that yeah. Maybe there's there. something in his past where he's actually seen sure that, not just, necessarily him, but like maybe he's seen that sort of abuse am I, somewhere. Am I wrong in this write, though? Like I feel like I hear you know. about it and no, see it I, a lot in King stories. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree on that. Know? But also, it seems like the the women rise to the top and like even in, in it in the in the original book they fucking gangbang the. <laughs> the, the young Beverly, like yeah, that's it's a, crazy. That's a, like, that's a controversial chapter, but it's it's supposed to come across I as something that. that's Just empowering weird. for her. I I I'm not saying that that's not completely messed up, but I I uh, I get why he I wrote got the power. I get why he wrote it that way. And if you read, if you actually read the book, it, it 
it's definitely disturbing, but it comes across a certain way. It doesn't sound like a bunch of kids gangbanging a girl. Like, the whole thing is supposed to be acknowledging the fact that she's empowered by the whole thing. But I, I see I see where you're coming I see where you're coming from with like it women kind of seem to take a lot of, of the punishment the punishment yeah. before rising to the top. Yeah. But that's a pretty common formula in a lot of horror movies. I guess. I guess. I don't you know. know. I guess like, when like I, how many, the, the whole idea of the final girl is she goes through a world of shit before coming out on top, you know? True. True. So Yeah, okay. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's it. Uh, another quick little piece of trivia. Uh, Tom Savini was attached to direct this film, uh, but uh, pulled out because the studio didn't have any interest in it. Really? I find that very interesting. This, but I feel this would have been a very different movie if effects wizard Tom Savini would have, yeah. would have directed it. Yeah. I think it would have looked better, quite frankly. Oh, for sure. Like the effects-wise and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a bit of a missed opportunity, but... I mean, I get that he wasn't necessarily a household name at that point. So, yeah. if the studio didn't have any interest in in him to do it, then I guess I get it. But that would have been would have been pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Anyway, that is Graveyard Shift. I'm pretty sure if you haven't seen it, you don't really need to anymore because <laughs> we've given pretty much everything away. Um, because that's what we do. <laughs> it is. Uh, I personally, I I like I like this movie a lot. But that's just. So do I. I, think I actually. I, I also saw it when I was younger, so it's maybe it's a bit of a nostalgia sort of thing. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm gonna say this on air. We yep. don't need to do it. Okay. I'm gonna run an idea by you right now. Sure. Stephen King's birthday. Yeah. Is in September. What are you stalking him? I looked it up. <laughs> what if this upcoming September, we did an entire month of Stephen King adaptations. I could get into that. Because I need to see a bunch. So, four weeks, essentially, two movies a week, to eight movies. I could do that. And that could be kind of fun. Maybe we put out a poll to see if it's something people would be interested in. Yeah, I'm into it. Maybe our maybe our one dozen fans would let us know what they feel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can get into that. 12, I love, I love 12 Steve- out of 12 fans agree. <laughs> we should do it. <laughs> I love Stephen King movies, so I'm totally into that idea. But, uh, yeah, that's Graveyard Shift and Last Shift. Go check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graveyard Shift is on Hulu, and the other one is on Netflix, yep. so check them out. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Instagram at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Buzzed Kill PC. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and I mean, I think you can still. I'm assuming you all can the other still. third, you know, all the other third party apps. Garbage. You can find us everywhere. Uh, if you feel giving us a rating anywhere, give us, give us. Uh, I, I think this episode deserves at least a solid six and a half Stevens on the Steven scale. On the King scale. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let us know what you think. If you want to find J-Rodge, you can find me on all social media <laughs> at Ocean Recording and also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for all your fantastic audio needs. Well, that's Slap it, boys. Abby. All right, so uh, next week will be our 100th episode. So right. we don't have any good ideas yet, but hopefully we'll come. <laughs> hopefully we'll come at you with something pretty decent. We're coming at you. <laughs> um, we'll discuss it on our five-hour drive on Saturday. So not only cheers to the end of the episode, but cheers to whatever shenanigans we're getting into in the great windy city. Yes, sir. So that's what we're doing. Not me. 
Not you. You're not invited. <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> Cheers, off, boys. Jay. Cheers. <laughs> Try to have a good night.